Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. Sam Stern joined by Jenny Wise in the studio. Hi, Jenny. Hello. And we have on the phone from our San Francisco office, our colleague Ian Jacobs. Hi, Ian. Hi, everyone. Ian, we are thrilled to have you. We wanted to talk to you about recent research you've done about the importance of emotion and considering emotion and how to do that well in customer service interactions in particular. And that's a major component of a lot of our listeners' customer experience delivery. And so we'd love for you to help answer for us this question. How do you consider emotion? How do you get it right when you're delivering customer service interactions? Customer service personnel are driven, like everybody else, by metrics. But the metrics that they've had for the past 30 years have been very focused on efficiency goals. Right? How do we minimize cost? The endless debate in customer service about how you transform from a cost center into a profit center. But at the moment, we're still stuck in that cost center approach. So it's hard to consider any element of customer experience when all you're focused on is cost. And Forrester research, not just for customer service, but broadly in customer experience, shows that emotion is the biggest driver in a customer's perception of their experience with the brand. So obviously, they're ignoring it, and they're ignoring maybe some of the other elements of customer experience in favor of efficiency. In a weird way, we could just say, that the metrics have caused them to over-rotate into one of the three pillars of customer experience and kind of mm. ignore the other two. So they're trying to make it easy. Is that what you're saying? They're trying to make it efficient from a brand's point of view. Actually, right. the right. ease is something new. In the last five years, we've started to hear conversations in contact centers around the world around customer effort scores and how to measure customer effort, bringing in, for example, journey mapping exercises to try and understand where their points of friction and try and overcome those. And those things obviously contribute to the emotional perception from the customer, but they are not the entirety of what drives emotional reactions in customers. So actually, it's been much more around things like, can we reduce the handle time, making it shorter for every interaction, which in some interactions is great emotionally, mm -hmm. right? If all I want to know is if Kohl's has a particular blouse in stock, I want that interaction to take four seconds or less. But if I'm working with my financial services institution to put together like a package of mutual funds to make sure that my family is taken care of for the future, the emotionally appropriate amount of time for that conversation could be a half hour. So if you're trying to minimize the amount of time that I'm on the phone with your personnel, you're going to cause frustration. So that over-rotation on efficiency pays off occasionally in terms of emotion, but often it ends up being an impediment. Right. And I guess it really depends also on context in which the person is calling. And you just gave two great examples. So am I calling because I want this to be a Q&A experience? Just tell me the answer. I just want a fact. Or am I calling because I want to really talk over something and make sure that the call was thorough and that I was heard and I was understood? In which case, that does lead to completely different user context and needs and thus would have to lead to different metrics. Absolutely. And actually, the problem is even more acute than that because the customer service organizations are throwing every form of automation they can think of at customer service interactions, again, to drive efficiency. But that has kind of a perverse outcome, which is that all the simple things, all those kind of Q&A type interactions that you were talking about, start to get automated. And so that all you're left with when you're dealing with human beings are issues that either are very complex and therefore potentially 
subject to frustration, right? It felt like I was pulling teeth to do this or things that are emotionally fraught, like my example of ensuring my family's financial future, right? Or healthcare issues, right? So things like conversational AI are actually just exacerbating the need to focus on emotion and service. And yes, we, we do need to change the metric mix, as it were, to recognize the need for efficiency where appropriate, but then think about emotion where it is actually the dominant thing that you need to instill in your customers or get your customers to feel the right things about you and about the interaction that they just had. I really like that angle because usually when we do talk about automation, we talk about, well, how do we make sure that that's going to be human enough and supportive enough? But it's actually just showing that the person and human interactions that you're going to have are going to be even more emotionally heightened now so that there's this increased need, especially today, to make sure that you're responding to that appropriately. I think it's a really nice argument that this is a moment for the pattern interruption. If we've always been trying to make the call center more efficient, we have to stop now in terms of at least the human part of the call center because the automation is still going that direction, right? Taking more stuff off of the human's plates. All that's left is stuff that is not something where efficiency is the right goal. It's not like we don't have models for this in customer service, although commerce often is the driver for throwing out average handle time as the key metric for customer care. You know, in customer service, Zappos, you know, they're the (laughs) avatar of, of interesting approaches to customer care. But one of the things that they've long since done is thrown out that old rule book. And of course, they measure the handle time of calls. You wouldn't know that they had a call that lasted more than 10 hours if they weren't measuring it. But they're not measuring agent performance based on that, right? It's interesting from a system point of view and figuring out what resources are required to know about how long calls take, but they're not giving incentives to agents to keep the calls short. Again, from their point of view, that's a commerce-related issue. The more time you spend with a customer, the more loyalty you have, the more ability you have to upsell and cross-sell them and so on. But again, we all talk about Zappos in the service world as like the best thing in the world. So why aren't we thinking about you know what they're doing as a way to say, hmm, maybe this is a good way to approach imbuing the kind of emotions that we want into these experiences. That's fascinating that we hear companies talk about Zappos constantly, but they're not copying the call center model that they have. So we mentioned, of course, there's the opportunity to automate some customer service interactions. Maybe that gives human agents more time to be more emotionally responsive. How should brands approach this um, and how much of it is technology driven versus sort of other factors to help? Well, there's certainly training and customer service process design elements that would help quite a lot. Right now, agents are scored typically on like a quality scorecard. There's somebody who listens to phone calls or reads chats and says, there are four here, there are six there. And there's often an empathy score, something like agent empathy, but there's not a lot of detail beyond that. Was the agent empathetic? No. Okay, now what? It's kind of like NPS on its own. It's not that actionable. My point here is that you could take this in a different direction before you even bring technology into the mix. An example that I use in that research that Sam referenced, I think is really illustrative of how smart brands can rethink the emotional component of customer care. So this is DBS Bank. It's an Asian bank in Singapore, India, and Indonesia at the moment. And they did an analysis of the frequent kind of calls that they get. They're a credit card issuer, and people often call in because they lost their card or the card was stolen. And that's just a really common call type. In the past, because they had efficiency metrics, they had designed their service process around efficiency 
efficiently getting you a replacement call. But then during internal discussions, somebody said, you know, people don't actually lose their credit card all that often in a vacuum. It's often their purse or their wallet that's been mm. stolen or lost. It's like a much more traumatic thing than just our little component of it. And so they decided to rejigger their service process to focus on that much more traumatic experience that the customer is actually going through. If in fact the wallet or purse was stolen, they actually make sure the customer is safe, both physically and mentally. Do you need to go to the police? Have you reported this to the police? And they have resources to help connect you. And then they take care of replacing your credit card efficiently. But they also have resources available to the agent to now provide customers with information about how to replace their driver's license or, frankly, competitors' credit cards, anything else that might be part of the theft of that entire wallet or purse, right? They're trying to address the more emotional component rather than thinking about it simply in designing an efficient process. And there's no technology involved in that except maybe changing the scripts that the agents have a little bit and providing agents lists of things that they can look up. So you can think about this in terms of technology, but it helps, I think, to just apply human thinking to the problem and recognize that the moments that customers are having where they need customer care are often part of a broader issue that they're having in their life. You raise a really important point. You wouldn't want to add technology to something that's not working well. Get the process right. Get the context for the agents right so that they have at hand information that helps them be human, recognize the broader context of when you lost a credit card, you likely lost all these other things. But once you've done that, how does technology help and what technology helps with this? The best investment area that you could target is conversational analytics, trying to understand what's going on during the course of an interaction by actually analyzing what's going on during the course of an interaction. But everything that we've done in the past, like that empathy score, is after the interaction, you're then trying to train the agent to get it right next time. But why aren't we trying to interject this intelligence during the course of the interaction when that might actually make a difference? So speech and text analytics conversational analytics, I think, are the real key here. There are tools that, for example, look at the prosody of a call, so not the meaning of my words, but the way that I'm saying them, my tone, my pace, whether you and I are talking over each other, which often indicates a lack of empathy on one of our parts or maybe both of our parts. So it's analyzing that in real time and provides behavioral cues to the agent hey, you need to slow down. Hey, you need to let the customer finish their sentences because you're making them more frustrated. Hey, this is a moment for empathy and here are some ways you can try and elicit the right kind of responses from the customer. So that's one approach. It's kind of a behavioral model. That model also provides a real-time score to the agent, kind of how the call is going. So they start paying attention to these behavioral cues. And that's all based off of academic research about the behavioral models of how we interact with each other over things like the telephone or via chat. So that's one way. Another way is think about what the emotional score of a call would be. Think of it as NPS, but it's in a predictive approach. So you're predicting what Mm. the customer's experience would be. And, you know, you can see companies doing this now. So in the report I mentioned, Progressive, the large insurer, they have a traditional voice of the customer program and they do NPS surveys, but it's on a really small subset of customers as is typical. But they are working with a technology partner to listen to every call and creating a predicted NPS 
for every call by using you know whatever they pulled out of the call recordings. And they're using that in two different ways. They use it to do what we said before, to drive agent training, but also to change the routing of future calls. So for calls that we think are going to be like this, we know that this agent has a good emotional connection with customers who are upset because they lost their credit card and they handle those calls well so, or whatever it is. Right. So that predicted NPS is now driving better connections between the customers and the agents. And then the final way is predictive routing. And it's kind of ingenious. There's a technology out there that takes all of your call recordings and creates conversational and behavioral models for every customer. How do you like to communicate? Then it does the same thing for all of your agents. And then it tries to match those patterns, the linguistic patterns they use. And they're using this not to say you have to communicate just like me. It's sort of complementary for this type of interaction. You know, maybe you're somebody who is just the facts and therefore I'm somebody who cuts to the chase and I'm blunt and that works. But for that other type of call, it's a different set of behavioral profiles that are going to make a complementary match and therefore drive a good emotional experience. So there's the during the call, there's the before the call to make the call right, and then there's all the things that you can do after the call to drive better agent training. And all of that's done through conversational analytics. That's great. This may be a compound question. You had mentioned the idea of metrics or maybe holding them to this emotional or empathy score, the customer service reps. Um, And what I'm beginning to think about is you know, when you look at emerging technologies, sometimes they can be immature, right? Or an imperfect science. And so, for example, when I think about that voice analytics measuring sort of the empathy and giving cues to the agent to be more empathetic in that moment, you know, maybe that agent is talking in a somewhat robotic manner, which triggered the algorithm, but they're doing that because the customer is talking in a robotic manner. And so they're trying to mimic them, which actually helps to build that connection. And so right. I feel like there are still these human interactions and capabilities and cues that humans take that algorithms may not be ready for or or queuing into. And so I'm just curious to hear your take on that. Are there any sort of shortcomings of the technologies that companies should be aware of before they say, you know, hey, let's augment all of our agents with this algorithm and make this their metric? (laughs) So I have two answers to that. One, this idea of trying to match people with complementary communication styles before the call even starts would in some way alleviate the problem that you identified. But Mm. it is possible that in that moment, I am deviating from my typical communication style and I'm acting robotic because I just got mugged, for example, right? And you're in shock. But you have to think, is that a corner case or is that like the norm? And I'm going to guess it's the corner case. So combining these methods and having something for before, during, and after the call, I think is probably the best approach. The one shortcoming that I would caution people to really think about is when you're providing behavioral cues through some kind of AI-driven algorithm, you are also still dealing with technology systems and communication systems. So there is some latency and lag. So you're providing a behavioral cue to something that happened a second and a half ago. Sometimes that's an eternity 
in a phone call, right? The entire tenor of a conversation could have changed if you gave the wrong answer. And now all of a sudden the customer is really pissed or frustrated or depressed or whatever it is. So you do have to recognize that there are those use cases where just we haven't gotten the instantaneous analysis and then presentation of something and the agent has the time to synthesize the information that's being provided to them and then take action. We haven't gotten to the point where that's instantaneous. So you just have to recognize where those use cases are and maybe, again, caution through training that the agent's should know that they're just not going to be able to, right after they give bad news, they might want to wait a second or two, pause, let the system catch up if that's appropriate for the interaction. So how does a company, how does a brand think about doing this, creating more emotional connection while it's also so busy and actively working at pushing automation, things like chatbots? How do you do both? I think you would have to rethink the approach to automation. So one of the things that I do in my day-to-day work is work with customers who are thinking about deploying some kind of conversational AI for customer care. It's like 80% of my customer conversations, I joke that chatbots ate my life, right? Like that's, that's what I do. So, but most of those brands are thinking about deploying those things externally, meaning customer facing. But we've just been talking about ways to use technology to augment the performance of agents around emotion. You can use that conversational AI to augment their performance around getting the facts right, being able to understand issues that they hadn't been totally trained with yet, or at least to provide the right responses for issues they hadn't been trained with yet. And you can drive the same sort of efficiency there as you would by automating the customer-facing interaction. And what I mean by that is if you take 3% or 20% of your incoming interactions and automate them, obviously there's some cost savings. But if you augment your agent's performance with the technology and use these kind of AI systems and potentially incorporate the methods that we talked about before, maybe you're shaving a minute and a half off of the phone calls where you can shave a minute and a half off of, and you're going to end up with that same cost savings that you would if you were deflecting 20% of your incoming interactions to automation. So starting those AI and conversational AI efforts internally first allows you to build the same kind of tools that we're talking about into the same sort of system that provides answers to agents. So if you're already focused on the agent-facing tools, there's no reason not to also incorporate this emotional component. So from my point of view, that's the easiest way. Just put the mirror to your thinking and say, okay, well, we want to deal with chatbots, but we want to actually focus on our agents, not our customers first. That's great. I think that's a really nice recommendation to companies to get it right before it goes out to customers and help agents, right? So that agents see that there's benefit from the automation to them. I think that the three categories of ways that the technology can help, I'm really excited about that because it gets people feedback about their performance and guidance in jobs that we've been crying out for this, you know, and what you said about the empathy score that someone evaluates one or two of your calls. And it's like, but I did dozens and dozens of calls. Where's the feedback on the rest? And this is this opportunity to sort of give you more feedback, more immediate feedback, you know, more guidance. I think this is a really empowering thing if done with the right intent for employees at companies. That part of it I'm, I'm really excited about. And I'm excited that you've laid that out really clearly in this report. So thank you for doing that. Of course, agents have a tough job. We need to make it easier for them, make them feel more empowered, but also give them constant coaching.
Right, exactly. All right, well, listeners, thank you for joining us. The report that we've been talking about with Ian is Use Emotion to Beat Customer Service Stagnation. And he's got some great case studies and technology examples in there, but non-technology examples too about how you can do this. So have a look and we'll talk to you all on next week's CX Cast. Bye for now. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen, for recording and mixing the episode, and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.